Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Change the order of the service. If you feel like you're fighting a giant right now, stand up. If you've got a giant, you think, man, I'm fighting a giant right now. I just need something from God. I want you to stand up on your feet. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, understand this first of all. David fought a giant in his covenant, under his covenant. And basically, the giant that he faced was defeated before before David ever threw the rock. You ever study that in 1 Samuel 17? The Bible says that Goliath cursed David by his gods. Not by David's gods, but by Goliath's gods. You go study the gods of the Philistines, Dagon, all these different gods that they served. It said, he cursed, Goliath cursed David by his gods. Now, when he did that, he sealed his death warrant. He said, now come on, pastor. I thought it was when he threw the rock and cut his head off. No, no, no. You got to get it in the spirit first. I said, you got, there may be a giant standing in the natural, but if you get it in the spirit first, you'll get it in the natural. So in the spirit realm, when Goliath said, I curse you, David, by Dagon and all the gods that I serve, I curse you. When he said that, he committed suicide. He killed himself. He said, now come on, how can you say it? Well, because of the covenant that he had with God, Abraham's covenant said this, I will bless them that bless you. I will curse them that curse you. So when that giant started cursing David, David said, I got you. All I got to do is go through the motions now. That's all I got to do is go through the motions and this thing's done deal. Now I got good news. 2,000 years ago, the giant was defeated. The Bible says Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now you've got to understand that that giant that seems to stand in front of you, all you've got to do is go through the motions of faith. Speak the word. Act on the word. Do what God says, and I want you to know your giant is going to come tumbling down. You say, why? He's already defeated in the Spirit. Jesus has already done it for you. So all you've got to do is rise up in faith and believe God. Father, right now, for each and every one that's standing, I thank you, Lord, for the anointing coming upon them today to overcome the giant that that stands in front of them, whether it be physical, whether it be mental, whether it be financial, No matter what it may be, Lord, I thank you, Father, that each and every one of these individuals are overcoming believers in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Lord. They're more than conquerors. They're more than conquerors. They're more than conquerors. And we will hear the testimony of their breakthrough in the name of Jesus. Amen. You believe that? Give the Lord a shout. Come on, give him a mighty shout. Hallelujah. Y'all want to listen to the word for a little bit this morning? We still got some time. Glory to God. Ephesians chapter 1. Hallelujah. God is good. Ephesians chapter 1. Now we're studying the authority of the believer. This is our third week to look at the name of Jesus. It's amazing to me, I said this last week, how God birthed the church, the two power doctrines of the church, which were the baptism of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus, Acts chapter 1 and 2 and Acts chapter 3. The church was birthed in the power of God, 
Doctrine caught up later. Can I get a better amen? I mean, actually, it wasn't until the Apostle Paul began to actually have revelation from God that we begin to understand some of the realities of redemption, uh, some of the realities of the power that's in the name of Jesus, the uh, explanations and understanding of the gifts of the Spirit and things like that. But it's amazing how God trusted His people with great power before they really had a lot of teaching on it. All they knew was what Jesus said. Jesus said, the works that I do, you're going to do also. And I want you to know the same thing's true today. The devil has spent 2,000 years trying to do everything he can do to get the glory of God out of the church, the power of God out of the believer, amen, and the results of God out of the world. Uh, there's so much dead religion. I, I didn't understand that. I grew, up, I grew up in revival. I grew up in the, the things of God, and the gifts of the Spirit in operation. And the, I was saved when I was six and filled with the Holy Ghost when I was seven. And, and, and I used to always, I'd go preach at the Rhema churches and the, and the Rhema pastor would say, when did you graduate from Rhema? And I'd always tell them, 1968. They were like, there was no Rhema in 1968. I said, oh, yes, there was. And they'd laugh. So one time I was eating dinner with Brother Hagin right before, right before he went to be with the Lord, a couple of years before he went to be with the Lord. And I told him that story, and he laughed and slapped his knee. He said, you're right, you're right. You went through it all before anybody else did. <laughs> Which means God puts this in the, inside of you, even young people, even when you're a child. Because the Bible says if you'll train up children in the way they should go, when they're old, they won't depart from it. I was amazed. I was away from the Lord for about 10 years. And the first place I went was up to Ramah in, in, in the summer, which I came back to the Lord. And, and, and I was amazed. His teaching had not changed. There was no change whatsoever. The ministry had grown. The ministry had expanded. But the teaching was the same. Which, you know, a lot of people around here say, man, why do you teach the same thing over and over and over? Because there is an, ele an element of repetitiveness to the Word of God. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. And every year you need some teaching on the name of Jesus. Every year you need some teaching on healing. Every year you need some teaching on prosperity. Every year you need some teaching on gifts. And you need it year after year after year after year. The Bible says prove all things and hold fast to that which is good. Amen. God wants you walking in victory. God wants you walking in power. And God wants you to be a demonstration of his goodness here on the earth. Now, we've been studying, of course, the authority of the believer. We studied a little bit on the character that we need. How God doesn't just trust any person to, to take the, quote, big guns of God and go out into the world. No, you've got, you need a little training. You need a little character development. Uh, we looked at our adversary. How many remember studying the devil? How many realize the devil's defeated? We've said it for years. The only power the devil has over you as a believer is the power you choose to give him. Don't give him any. He's under our feet. Amen. I like it says in, in Isaiah that we narrowly look upon. We hedge him. The revelation of God puts him in a hedge, boxes him up. He can only do what the word says he can do. He can only be what the word says he can be. Nothing else. He said, well, pastor, I, I've had some supernatural temptations. No, you're not. No, you haven't. No, only that which is natural to man is what the enemy can tempt you with. And you know the number one temptation in the body of Christ, people like you? Temptation to give up. Don't do it. Don't do it. Stay with it. Stick with it. Keep walking in faith. Keep believing God. And I guarantee you, you'll get a breakthrough. Then we started studying the name of Jesus. There's so much that we need to study in the name of Jesus. We saw the first week how God had given him that name and God had, had, had through Mary, God named his son Jesus. Because of that, we saw his anointing. Remember there at the, uh, at, the, at the Jordan River, how that's when the anointing, he positioned himself for that anointing. How the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove. The heavens opened over his life and he was able to correctly perceive spiritual things. The Word of God spoke to him and said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Amen.
Then we begin to study last week the works. Jesus said, the works that I do, you shall do also, and even greater works. We begin to look at what the Bible calls the Great Commission. How we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every nation. Now listen, here's the key. You need to go into your world. You say, well, is it talking about going to a foreign nation like these precious people are? No, no. Go into your world first. If you can learn to go into your, I know Rocky and I, for years, uh, several years that they were here. Remember, I remember Mardi Gras one year. You and I took off at Mardi Gras with just our pockets full of tracts and Bibles. And I'll never forget how many, we were just leading people to the Lord, pulling people over on the street, right and left, sticking tracts, telling them about Jesus, getting them saved. Right? Start right where you're at. You say, I want to go to Hong Kong. Go to your next door neighbor. So I want to go, go to Chile. Go to the person that works in the cubicle next to you. Or the one that, that's, that's, that's swinging a hammer with you on the job. Tell them about Jesus right there where you're at. Amen. And then if they need prayer, pray for them. Lay hands on them if they're sick. Cast the devil out of them if they're oppressed. Agree by faith with them. And I guarantee you, you'll see the works of Jesus in manifestation. Then we studied. We began last week and we saw this great miracle. The church was birthed in a great healing miracle. I, I not only believe it was just a healing, I believe it was a creative miracle. Because the man was, was lame from his mother's womb. That had to be a birth defect. That had to be a birth defect that was unique to that individual. And that birth defect became a platform for Jesus to manifest his glory and his power. Remember what we began with in studying the name of Jesus? The name of Jesus. Everybody say, the name of Jesus. Say it again. The name of Jesus takes the place of Jesus being personally present with us. Say it again. The name of Jesus takes the place of Jesus being personally present with us. Then we saw there in the temple in explaining, this is one of the great revelations of the body of Christ, that it wasn't apostolic authority. It wasn't because Peter and John had walked with Jesus three and a half years. It wasn't because they were in the upper room of the day of Pentecost. It was his name through faith in his name. It was his name. Now listen, we determined this last week. If there was any other qualification, you say, well, but pastor, you know, I'm, I'm not a preacher. That's all right. You say, well, I'm not, I'm not, I just got saved a couple of weeks ago. That's all right. The name will still work for you. Those that what? Believe in my name. That's your qualification. That's to be a believer. Then we saw when they were called on the carpet by the Sanhedrin, the same thing Peter said, that when they said, by what name or what authority have you done this? He said, let it be known to all you that are here that by the name of Jesus whom you crucify, who God raised up, that is the reason this man stands, stands here before you. Ho. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Now, let me just say this, and we'll get into our teaching today, Ephesians 1. There's great controversy. There's great controversy in the name of Jesus. If you don't believe it, Engage somebody in a conversation about God. It's amazing how civil the conversation can remain. I've done it on airplanes. I've done it in airports. I've done it in hotel rooms. I've done it all over the world. Engage somebody in a conversation about God. Then as the conversation progresses, let the subject change from God universal to Jesus personal. And I guarantee you, you'll find out there's controversy in that name. Now, the reason is... Is because the devil knows by that name he's defeated. It's because this world system knows that that name is preeminent over it. We don't have to bow our knee to the world system. We can live by the power that's in the name of Jesus. So what is important for the church to do 
is to dig into the word of God, into the scripture. For we know the Bible says, so then faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We must get into the word and find out everything we can find out about the name of Jesus. We've got to dig. We've got to look at it. We've got to meditate on it. We've got to memorize it. We've got to adopt it into our lives. We've got to receive, assimilate, and transmit let me say that again. We've got to receive, assimilate, and tra- And in so doing, the name of Jesus does what? It gets lifted up. It gets lifted up. Jesus said, when I be lifted up, I'll begin to draw men unto me. Amen. So let's look this morning at three ways. We'll do it real quick. At three ways in which Jesus got his name. First, Ephesians chapter 1. This great prayer begins in verse 15 that the apostle Paul prayed. You should pray this prayer over yourself on a continual basis. It says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom, revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of the inheritance of the saints of, of, of the inheritance in the saints. Now notice verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? Amen. That, that's, listen, this is, that's strong. And what is the what? Exceeding greatness of his power. Now notice the next phrase. Toward usward who believe. Amen. I'm glad you're so excited this morning. Amen. You ever felt powerless? God is fixing to show us a way in which Jesus got his name. Number one, he got it through conquest. Now notice this. What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the work of, working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him in his own right hand far above everybody say far above all principality power might and dominion and what every name every name that's named now notice this above all principality power might dominion And every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Listen, this demonstration, I call this the demonstration. Because when you see this, when you get a hold of this, it makes your problems so small. We have a documentation, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We have documentations of demonstrated power. I like to call it a demonstration. The woman with the initial, let's just take Mark chapter 5, the whole chapter. A demonstration of the deliverance of a demoniac. A demonstration of God's healing power. A demonstration of someone being raised from the dead. So Jesus overcomes demons, disease, and death. Amen? Amen. Now, our problem is we've limited God to the demonstrations that we've observed through the Gospels. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not belittling any demonstration that took place when Jesus walked upon the earth. All of the signs, all of the wonders, all of them. We don't have documentation of all of it. John said if we wrote it all down, the world itself couldn't contain the books. But God wants you to know that those were, yes, demonstrations of the Spirit of God upon an individual in correct relationship to his God. But the demonstration, the demonstration toward usward who believe is when God raised up his son Jesus. He was weighted down in the region of the dam with every sickness, every disease, 
every infirmity, every addiction, you name the problem in mankind, and Jesus was weighted down in the regions of the dam with that upon him. And then God did what? He raised him from the dead. He raised him up as a demonstration. He said, now look, this is my demonstration toward usward, usward, who believe. This is my demonstration, all the sickness broken. All the bondage taken care of. Every prison door wide open. No matter what the problem, an answer in the name of Jesus. Are you with me? And God said, this is my demonstration of my power toward usward who believe. I like to call it the demonstration. If you can just see Jesus. Just not with the problems of the world. Just your own problems. All the problems you've ever had, all the problems you're going to have, everything the enemy's going to try to come at you with, all the situations you've had to face, Jesus overcame each and every one of them so that you could walk in overwhelming victory. You've just got to make a decision to dig into that word, to get some faith in your heart, begin to act and live as God says to act and live, and you will begin to live that overcoming life. You don't have to live sick. Let me try that again. You don't have to live sick. You don't have to live defeated. You don't have to live broke. You don't have to live depressed. You don't have to live addicted. You don't have to live afflicted. You can live in victory. The Bible says Jesus spoiled principalities and powers, made a show of them openly, triumphing over them. For this reason was the Son of God manifest that he might destroy. That word destroy, loosen and dissolve. I want you to know the devil is defeated. Sickness and disease is defeated. Poverty and lack is defeated. And every obstacle that would try to stand up in your way, whether it be in Hong Kong, Bolivia, or Hitchcock, Texas, it does not matter. God has already made provision for you. We're going to get somebody happy in here before the morning's over. So the first way he did it was through conquest. Now go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, precious, precious chapter. I I, I tell you, you could preach Philippians chapter 2 from so many different angles. But we're looking at the power that's in the name of Jesus. And by exposing ourselves to this information, faith comes. Are you with me? So we're believing, God, that for every person, you walk out of here at a new level of faith. A new level of faith in your heart, a new level of faith in your spirit, so that you can go out and demonstrate God's power in the name of Jesus. Amen? Now notice what it says. Ah, let's try verse 5. i got to be careful. I could start going through these verses. They all scream, say something about me. And so I've got to watch myself. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now notice verse 9. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him, and given him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, Every knee should bow of things in heaven, of things in earth, and things under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now let's read that again in verse 9. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Now I I don't know, man. I've preached this scripture, meditated. there's, There's several different angles we've preached this particular portion of scripture on. But one of the greatest realities 
of this scripture is that Jesus is God. As much as God was ever God, will ever be God, the Bible says he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But then this element of Jesus, which is so awesome, so awesome when you realize it. One of the reasons some of the other uh, religions of the world, I'm not talking about Christianity, but religions of the world, One of the reasons they cannot accept Jesus is they cannot have a God that would stoop to humanity. But you've got to understand, your God did. He made himself of no reputation. He left the grandeur, the majesty, and all that heaven was. He came down and he got into the womb of Mary, into a human body. He, he, he grew in that human body and was born onto the planet as a human being. He walked on the earth 33 and a half years, anointed at John's baptism, three and a half years of miracle ministry, but he still relinquished himself. He humbled himself. Now notice the difference. He humbled himself and God exalted him. Satan exalted himself and God humbled him. Isn't that amazing? So this second way, Jesus had it conferred upon him. Now, when you have a title or a position or an award conferred upon you, it's not because you have stepped out through competition to achieve it. I guess, I guess today's the, uh, uh, the last day of the uh, Olympics. You know, all those people prepare their whole life for, for one event and all that kind of stuff. But listen, there are other things, there are other awards that you can't prepare yourself for. One of the most well-known on the planet Earth is an award called the Nobel Prizes. There are Nobel Prizes for peace. There are Nobel Prizes for medicine. There are Nobel Prizes for chemistry. There's, I think there's 17 or 18 different categories in which an individual can win a Nobel Prize. But there's not a group of people out here competing. Do you understand what I'm saying? They're not competing saying, you know, if we can do this or that, maybe we can win the Nobel. No, they're not doing that. Now, in our generation, in my generation, I remember, some of you, some of you are much younger, so you won't remember, but others of you will remember. I remember the polio scares. Of the late uh, 50s and into the 60s, into the mid-60s, the pools being shut down, uh, people being afraid, going to, the, going to the high school and getting the shot or having to take the sugar. How many remember that? Well, there was a man, there was a research scientist named Jonas Salt. Now, he began to work with that particular disease, and he developed that vaccine. And because of that, now I'm not, the last time I I looked at this has been many years ago. I've got it written in one of my Bibles. But I believe if I'm not mistaken, it was in 1963 that Jonas Salt received the Nobel Prize for the development of the polio vaccine. Now, he was not in a competition. He was not out there trying to say, well, you know, I hope I can get it before somebody else does. Amen. No, he was doing something on behalf of suffering humanity, doing what he could do, and because of him was conferred upon him the Nobel Peace Prize for medicine. And at that time, the prize, I believe, was $100,000. Now, Jesus humbled himself, relinquished himself of his deity, of his authority, and got in a human body, entered into Adam's race, lived a sinless life, died a horrible death on the cross, suffered three days and three nights in hell. But when he rose up out of the grave, 
And when he came into the Holy of Holies and poured that precious blood upon the mercy seat, God said, hold on, I'm going to confer something on you. I'm going to give you a name that is above every name. Above the name of cancer, above the name of debt, above the name of fear, above the name of any addiction, above the name of any problem in Adam's fallen race, even sin problem, I'm going to give you a name above all of that. That's the name of Jesus. And when you begin to realize he had that conferred upon him so that you're suffering, so that you're dying lifestyle. Because all life is, whether it's life in the mansion or life in the ghetto, all life without Jesus is, is existence till death runs its course. But then here comes Jesus. And he interrupts Adam's fallen race and he brings salvation so that now whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Amen. Now one more, real quick. Glory to God. Well, actually, two more scriptures. One more place. Go to Hebrews chapter 1. You bring your running shoes? Well, three people did. That's good. I'm glad. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 1. I got to be careful getting into Hebrews. I... Hebrews chapter 1. It's in the Bible. Now let's look here just, just for a moment. Verse 1, Hebrews chapter 1. God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. Hath, everybody say hath. Now notice that's past tense. Means he's already done it. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. Now we can determine this. And it's a real simple principle. Jesus... Is God speaking to us? I mean, it's really simple. Jesus is God speaking to us. You know, a lot of what's happened in Christianity that has caused Christianity to fall from, a, from, from this power of Acts chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4, and 5, and 6, and 7, and 8, and 9, and 10, 11, all through the book, from the power of the book of Acts to, to digress into the, to the state that it's in today is that, is that basically they've taken away the reality that Jesus is God speaking to us. So they've left all of the decisions that man should make for himself according to the word of God up to the sovereignty question. Are you with me? You say, now what do you mean? Well, we know God can heal you, but whether or not he's going to, that's his choice, that's his decision. We know God can save you, but now whether he's going to save you particularly as an individual. Now that's, that's his choice. But see, if you see Jesus for who he is in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, you see that Jesus removed the sovereignty issue. Because there was a woman with an issue of blood in Mark chapter 5 who Jesus was not looking for, but she was looking for Jesus. And God did not make the decision in his mind to heal her, she made, to her, she made the decision in her mind to be healed. Yes. So the devil, through some doctrinal, I don't know, I guess guys got to go to college for 12, 15, 18 years to get this in them. Amen. And then God raises up people like me. But they've got to get to this point where they've intellectually talked themselves out of the power of God, Amen. leaving these decisions. In the hands of God and not in the hands of men. Are you with me? 
But it's your choice. It's your choice to get saved. It's your choice to be healed. It's your choice to be delivered. It's your choice to grow in the things of God. It's your choice to walk in the Spirit. No, it's not the sovereignty issue. It's God. God gave us Jesus. Jesus is God speaking to us. And everywhere you see God speaking to us through His Son, Jesus, God is saying, I will. I will save you. I will heal you. I will bless you. I'll deliver you. I'll even deliver you from death. Oh, we better not get on that. That'll get me on my soapbox. And... Now notice this. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Can I read that in the Amplified? Yes. Amen. They'll, they'll hold your reservation. Amen. It's all right if you don't beat the Methodist to the, to the spot. Now notice what it says. Verse 3 in the Amplified. He is the sole expression. This is speaking of Jesus. He is the sole expression of the glory of God. The light being. The outrain or radiance of the divine. He is the perfect imprint and very image of God's nature. Upholding. Maintaining. Guiding. And propelling the universe. Now let me try that again. He's upholding, maintaining, guiding, and propelling the universe. Now, if he can do that for the universe, don't you think he can take care of your life? Don't you think he can take care of you? Amen. Upholding, maintaining, guiding, and propelling the universe by his, notice the phrase, mighty word of power. Now, we've got to stop here. I, I know, I know. It's not the power. Of his word. It is the word of his power. Now see, most people right there say, now come on, Rusty, you're just getting it. That's just the semantics of words. Those are translations, paraphrases, whatever. No, 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 no. God meant it to say exactly what it says. Not the power of his word, which means that God's word, God's word would have would be empowered by God. God would put his power or invest his power in the word. God's saying, that's not true. That is not true. What is true is I draw my power. I draw the power of deity from my word. Why do you think those Chinese people were crying when they got the Bibles? Why do you think people weep when they cannot get the word of God and they get in their hand, they begin to weep, they begin to cry because they realize, I've got the power of God in my hands now. I can change a nation. I can change a neighborhood. I can change my family. I can change my physical body. The thing that God has that he gets is powerful. He gave it to me. No wonder the Bible is so feared. They fear revival more than revolution. Because you can do something about revolution, but you can't do nothing about revival. Mm -mm -mm. Now notice this. Who being the brightness of his glory, back in the King James, the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Now notice this. Being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance. Everybody say inheritance. Inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Now let me close with this and, and, and you'll be happy and run around the church three times. Remember we talk about the slam dunk, the gimme, the sure thing? I know different cultures have different words for it. Now, if you were going to get this great inheritance, 
and it was going to be given to you by your elder brother, the greatest way to lock that inheritance into the reality of your life is for that inheritance to be transferred to you by the death of your brother. Now, as your elder brother dies, he's not just an elder brother, but he is the top attorney in the land. Are you with me? He is the number one probate attorney, an expert on inheritances. He wrote the inheritance. Are you with it? So, he dies, you get the inheritance. Now, that's, that's cool, right? Because there's, there's all kinds of good stuff in that inheritance. So, he dies. But then he don't trust lawyers. And he doesn't trust courts. So he comes back from the dead. He comes back from the dead and takes you by your hand to his court. Now he stands beside you as your attorney, the one that died to give you the inheritance and the one that is there to help make sure you get it. And he stands in front of who? Mm -mm. That's, That's God. No, he stands in front of his father and your father. So everybody sitting in the, in the audience is going, come on, the, the, guy, the, the judge is his dad. The, the, the judge is his dad. The judge is his dad. The attorney gave him the inheritance and then came back from the dead to make sure he got it. Is that what we preach or is it not what we preach? God, come on, is that what we preach or is that not? Is that what we believe or is that not? Is that what the word says or is that what? That's it. That's it. Your attorney, Jesus Christ the righteous, is standing beside you as the one who has gotten you the inheritance. He died so you could have it. He came back so he could help enforce it. And he stands in front of the judge of the universe, which is your father and his father. One more scripture. Go to Romans real quick and then we'll close. I, th- I thought I'd get, took me a while to get you happy. but it... Go to Romans real quick and we'll close. Romans chapter 8. Oh, if that was just true, pastor. If we could just find that in the word. Well, let's look. Let's look in Romans and see if we can find it. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 16. The Spirit, everybody say the Spirit. The Spirit himself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Well, that's good. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. Now, hold on. Let me help you just a little bit. Just a little bit. Then we'll meddle in this next week a little more. Heirs of God, joint heirs. Now, this connects you to the name. Because we can talk about conquest and stay separated. We could talk about, talk about conferred upon him and stay. But now, when it comes to inheritance, that connects you to the name. That gives you the right to use the name. Because you're an heir and a joint heir with him. Now, closing thought. Religion. And sad to say, a lot of people that used to flow in the things of God and the power of God have gone this direction. They relegate that to what they call the legal or experiential side of the Gospels. Well, Pastor, we know that's in the Word. But whether or not we're able to 
enjoy the benefits of that, that, that or not. We leave that to the sovereignty of God because you've got to understand there's the legal side and the experiential side. So they've separated, they've split the gospel. And they said, there are things that are yours, but whether or not you're ever to enjoy them, that's up to God. That's a doctrine of devils. Just think in the natural. If something's yours, I mean, you go out and buy, you go out and buy me a brand new Pathfinder, 24-foot 20, Pathfinder. That's a boat. For you that don't know. You put it on a beautiful tandem wheel McLean trailer. And, and, you, and, you, and you put a brand new uh, uh, Yamaha 254 stroke on the back of it. You rig it out, I mean, to fish all over the area. Amen. And so you give it to me and you hand me what? Documentation. The title deed. Title deed for the trailer. Title deed for the motor. Title deed for the boat. Title deed. One translation of Hebrews 11. Ones. Now faith is the what? Title deed. So you hand me the title deed. So, so you've given me this beautiful vehicle, this beautiful boat that I could go all over the place. But then you drive by down here by office bow and you see me going fishing in an old beat up rowboat. But at great expense, you gave $10,000 into that offering that bought me that boat. So you pull over and you're, and you're a little bit miffed you're a little bit well maybe he didn't understand maybe there's a problem with the boat maybe we need to take it up make sure it's running right maybe this maybe that you know and so and so you walk over and you say pastor rusty did you not understand we gave you that boat to go fish so you would be comfortable when you go you could go fishing anywhere you want to go what are you doing in this rowboat and i look up and i say something very spiritual to you like this well i know brother sister you gave me that rowboat i mean you gave me that great fishing boat that pathfinder that 250 horsepower Yamaha. I know you gave that to me, but whether or not I'm too experienced it or not, I'm leaving that to the sovereignty of God. How would you feel? How would you feel if through great sacrifice you paid for that? How do you think God feels when he sees you and me rowboating through life? And some old leaky thing we've created out of religion and tradition. Come on, church. When God says, come on, man, I've given you the greatest vehicle in the universe. I've given you the name of Jesus. I've given you redemption. I'll fuel it by the word. I'll supercharge it by the Holy Ghost. You can take off and go anywhere you want to go. Do anything you want to do. Be anyone you want to be. Just do it by the word of God. Because if you give me a new... Pathfinder. <laughs> I'm going to be in Baffin Bay by this afternoon. I guarantee you, I'm going to be down there waist deep, catching trout, having a good time, because I'm going to enjoy the full benefit of what legally belongs to me. The name of Jesus legally belongs to you. The inheritance of redemption legally belongs to you. There's the sovereignty question has been answered in him, in Christ Jesus. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness that through the precious promises of God we might be what? Partakers. The divine nature changes nations through School career. The divine nature changes huge cities with millions of people. The divine nature shakes this old island where there's never been much of anything that has to do with God or the things of God. The divine nature can do anything, anywhere, anybody's willing to believe it can do. We don't have an excuse. And God says, I've given you a name that's above every name. 
It's above cancer. It's above governments. It's above anything you can come up with. I've given. He got it through conquest. He got it. I haven't confirmed. He got it through inheritance. And when he got it through inheritance, he transferred it to you. And now that name belongs not just to the church, not just to the pastor, not just to the minister. That belongs to you. You ought to get up every morning and say, in the name of Jesus, I'm more than a conqueror. In the name of Jesus, greater is he that's in me than he that's in me. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to have a great day. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to walk on serpents and scorpions over all pride. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to do the will of God. In the name of Jesus, I will not be defeated. I will not fall under the sway of my enemy. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to have life. I'm going to have it in abundance. In Jesus' name. Amen. Lift your hands up and thank God. Father, we thank you this morning for that name which is above every name. Lord, we glorify, we exalt you, Lord. We thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember... But keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.